0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome
1: to the Rabbi Ruben Epstein Show number 11 with a very special guest here tonight. We want to remind our listeners and our viewers that you can email us at email at marriagepro.co and you can watch this show as well as all of the shows on all podcast platforms. We also want to remind you about our dating and marriage curriculums at marriagepro.co as well as a new initiative, which was started by one of our listeners um, who started something called NASA, which is a group of single girls who want to follow up with some of our speakers from this show, Um, smaller groups where they can ask questions and have sort of like a round table Zoom. Um, You can email NASA now, N-A-A-S-E-H-N-O-W at gmail.com for more information. And we also want to remind you to follow The Torah Anytime Daily Dose and subscribe at 929-355-4268. With that being said, I have so many questions and I have so much content that things I want to cover tonight that I don't want to talk so much. I want to, I don't, you want to skip my normal introduction to get straight down to it because I'll tell you why. Tonight we have on Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. And I'm looking into Rabbi Jacobson's bio, which is very extensive. And I'm going to forget most of the things about him. I'll give you the rough story here. Um, Rabbi Jacobson is an international speaker. He's an author of A Tale of Two Souls on the Tanya, A Journey Through the Fundamentals of Hasidus, uh, and the Amuna series, Captain, My Captain. Maybe I'm missing one or two, Rabbi, please forgive me. As well as um, the dean of the yeshiva.net. But I want to start with my first question. Rabbi Jacobson, you're with me, yeah? Okay. I'm
0: with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and pleasure, Rabbi Epstein.
1: Thank you very much. Now, I, I want to tell you, I, I I do this. This is the 11th show that we did. And the idea behind the show is we wanted to have a platform, which is Torah Anytime, and a, a format where people can learn various things from, from inspiring and influential people who are out there changing the world, But usually they hear it through a lecture, a speech, a snippet, maybe a Torah anytime, daily dose, something to that effect. And I I said, you know, maybe we could just have a conversation. We could just schmooze with people. So this is our 11th show. And many of our shows we have on two people. Tonight we're having on just you, Rabbi. And, And people, there's even a girl who went so far that she is transcribing all of the shows. I don't know how Mom. many. Yeah, it's like unbelievable. She's sending me not just snippets, but Momish like sending me the whole entire show. You said We're Looking this, they,
0: forward they, to the book interviews <laughs> with Rabbi Epstein.
1: <laughs> me too. Me too. Someone's Shana, doing the work.
0: Latest <laughs> by Hanukkah. Ladies <laughs> by
1: Hanukkah. Someone's doing the work for me. So and I, mean, and I
0: don't. Expiring interviews. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but but over here, I want to jump straight into my first question, which is, I I know that that growing up. You were influenced by, by the Rabbi, by the by Ravish Rabbi. Now, that's that's an understatement, because you were part of the Chayzrim, who would review the Rabbi's Shurim after, or the, the Mamaram, the Sikhist. Now, before I start, I have to say something. I have to just tell you right off the bat. I am ignorant about certain topics. The first show we had on Rabbi Yassi Ben Shushan, who deals with people who have Substance abuse. Now, I didn't know that you're supposed to call it substance abuse. You're supp- I, you know, so forgive me if I don't say any specific terms. Just just go with because. it. Okay. So that being the case, okay, forgiven. forgiven. Thank you. So now, along raw, with
0: raw is always better. Raw.
1: Thank you. Good. Authentic. So the sichas, t- the mamram that the Rebbe had, and and you, one of the things that, that the Chayyuzim did was they would talk after Shabbos or Yontev. And, and they would repeat what, what they said. So when I was first hearing this, I thought to myself, okay, I mean, I've heard a lot of speeches. I could repeat some speeches, you know, not a big deal. And then I heard your brother, Ibshim, say, no, you don't understand. They could go on for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes it would be a three-day Yantif, and you'd have to remember 20 hours of information. You're not talking about someone who's giving a speech at, you know, one of these conferences where they just say... A story for ninety nine minutes, and then they have a punchline at the end. That's not who the Rebbe was. How? I just want to understand how. How. How is it possible? Meaning, what was that like sitting in a room of people to be able to gather all that information and then transcribe it or put it down in, into in, into a format? And then I understand that the Rebbe would then look it over so that you couldn't, fudge, you couldn't fudge the numbers here. <laughs> you couldn't just make stuff up. It had to be as accurate that you're presenting it to the presenter afterwards. Right. How, did, how did that happen? Tell me okay, about so, that experience.
0: So very briefly, uh, to say that this was a stressful experience would be uh, <laughs> an understatement. But uh, it would also be fair, and just to say this is one of the great privileges of my life, and one of the greatest uh, experiences that I think I'll ever have in my life. The Lababachareb of blessed memory used to what's called fabreng, hold a public gathering every Shabbos and every Yom tif. And uh, he would present Shiurim or Sichas talks, Maimorim, for many, many hours. A Fabranging could go from three hours to 11 hours. And this is Shabbos, Yom tif. There's no recording devices. Tape recorders, for those who remember tape recorders, Alayah Mashalom. <laughs> nobody's writing, nobody's recording, everything has to be memorized. Now, the Rebbe wasn't a person who would tell stories and jokes. Each sikha could be an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, and they were extremely intricate and profound. There could be a sikha, a whole long shi'a in Rambam, in Karbonis, or Avoida, or Tumantara, a whole long Rashi on the Parsha, a Sugi in Bavli, or Yerushalmi. Sugi in Kabbalah, Jewish philosophy, Chassidus, Mashmashava, Chakira, a deep pilpel in Rishonim and Acheronim in Halacha, contemporary discussions, discussions on hashkafa, education, outreach, kirov, inner struggle, and it went on for hours, hours. And as you know, he was a a brilliant, brilliant man. Thank you, brilliant man. And his knowledge—I would say—you know—he knew. He knew every line of every commentary of the Vilna Gon on Zohar. Uh, okay. He knew every Malbim. He knew every Yerushalmi. He knew Kisve HaRizal by heart. I'm not talking about Bavli and Rambam and Shulchan Aruch. And the Rebbe wouldn't read from notes. He wouldn't read from notes and he wouldn't tell a lot of stories. It was not entertaining in that sense. And it was very, very profound stuff. When I was a young Bacher, I was asked to join a group, it was a small group, headed by a man who's an elderly man today, Rabbi Yoyal Khan, Schlitter. And they were, so to speak, the oral scribes. And our job was to memorize to the best of our ability the Rebbe's shiurim and presentations, his siches, my marim. And right after Shabbos, meet and review it. And Rabbi Yoyal Khan would review it, and the arguments would go on for hours trying to reconstruct the material. Notes were taken, and then a whole week... There was a group of people that would sit and transcribe it on paper. And from this were created the hundreds of volumes of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's teachings.
1: Wow. Now, how did you, how did you, I just want to understand, how did you, a 15-year-old bacher? now, how did you even understand he's quoting Yerushalmi? Most 50-year-old men haven't opened the (laughs) Yerushalmi.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I guess, uh, well, I I have an older brother, Simon, Simon Jacobson, Rabbi Simon Jacobson, who joined that team. And I guess when I was a younger child, I used to be stand at the Rebbe's from a very, very young age. And I just, I guess, developed a certain niche. And, you know, we would review at Shabbos after the Fabrengen or Yomtif. And I guess he felt that I had a certain skill for it. So at a very young age, you know, he suggested that I uh, join him and the team. And uh, I had the privilege of doing it. Until today, I want to tell you, till today, the moment Shabbos ends, my wife knows psychologically I'm stressed it's now 30 years that ever passed away in 1994 so it's 26 years ago (laughs) that ever is passing (laughs) but till today the moment Shabbos ends I something happens because my brain yeah my brain remembers that Mitzvah Shabbos I knew I'm not sleeping all night Sunday I'm not sleeping and Sunday night I'm not sleeping and it was such intense work but it was really incredible work you really had to uh Prepare yourself as best as you can. The real hachana was just to sit and learn and non nonstop. <laughs> but the Rebbe did have a certain mahalach ha He had a certain combination of Reb Chaim, the briska derech, together with the rakachavah, together with the balatanya. So he had a certain style in which he would analyze things and dissect things. Mm-hmm. And they were very creative, very, very fascinating. I didn't understand everything, but I tried to absorb... So sometimes I wouldn't even understand, but I would try to absorb his words. And then later, it can be reconstructed.
1: Reconstructed, I hear. I think you could study it later, but you're just hearing it.
0: Sometimes, yeah. In fact, one of the keys to memorizing talks for hours, and this is interesting, whenever you want to memorize something is, you have to be completely empty when you're listening. Meaning there's no thinking about the fact that you're thinking, if you're thinking about the fact, wow, this is a great cheer, he's brilliant, it's awesome, it's inspiring, I'm going to use it, then your ego is in place. (laughs) To really be able to absorb, you have to be what's called a clay reka, meaning the eye must be completely absent. There is nothing in the world, but you're being completely opening to listening to the words of your Rebbe. Nothing, not even the feeling that it's gishmak, because that also obstructs the ability to really absorb you know why children remember everything our children remember everything because they don't have an intellectual ego they're like wet sponges they just take it in we as adults we are already critical right anyone who's listening right now to this show they are already forming an opinion about me or about you i promise you they're not listening as adults it's very hard for us to listen especially jews we don't listen we have opinions
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wonder if you're hacking into my emails. <laughs> it's no, unbelievable. It's, it's, it's
0: a fascinating concept. And this is called, in Hasidic language, it's called bittel Bittl is You have to completely suspend yourself, your intellectual ego, and become literally an empty space where there's no I whatsoever, no intellectual identity. And then you'll be shocked how much you can absorb.
1: Wow. It's like my shakibo Tiramis Meaning the, the, the his spotless.
0: Right. Medrash Shmuel says, he learned how to receive Torah from Sinai.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, C9, I was going to say that Matzah Shabbos, your wife probably says, new. So what did we talk about the whole Shabbos?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. well, I've learned how to deal with it over the years. But in that beginning, in the earlier years, it was just, I, I just knew, with so Shabbos, like my, my body was just triggered. <laughs> by, it's like, you know, you're going in like the Navy SEALs, you know, you're going into real, real rigorous work. But it was also extraordinary, rewarding work in terms of learning and, and memorizing and transcribing and really gaining a, a, a bird's-eye view of Judaism and of the world. That's what it was. Wow. I'm was a very, you know, he's the antithesis of a narrow-minded thinker. His scope was just always so global. And, you know, Nigla and Chassidus and Kabbalah and Machshavah and Mechkar and everything converged into a seamless whole it was so refreshing. He could speak about a Rambam and Hilches Niske about a bull goring another bull and then apply it to psychological struggles of people. It was just so wow. so refreshing to be able to see that synthesis and mosaic of Yiddishkeit. Very rich, wow. very rich.
1: Now, I want to come back to, to, to the Rebbe in a minute, but where did you... Who else at that time in your life, like who other... Which other people? Do you have like a, spe- a specific Rebbe who influenced you to like get into where you are today or somebody else that you were close, c- close to within? I don't know, your family? I see this like somebody else that had an impact yeah, my, on you.
0: My, my father of blessed memory was a great influence on me. My father was a very interesting person. He grew up in communist Russia, suffered terribly under Stalin. His father was arrested and tortured, exiled to Siberia, almost shot... T- suffered terribly. Then they escaped after the war. And my father became a seasoned journalist for more than 50 years. He was the correspondent of Yedioth HaKarnat, which is the largest Israeli daily newspaper, a very secular newspaper. But he was its correspondent in United Nations. He actually oh. succeeded Eli Wiesel, who was the previous correspondent. <laughs> and they were very close friends because Eli Wiesel was a journalist. And then my father, he worked, my father worked for the Daily Tribune. He worked for Time Magazine. He worked for many Yiddish newspapers, and then he founded his own Yiddish Weekly called the Algemeiner Journal, which was a very interesting newspaper. It had all the great Yiddishist writers in an era when Yiddish was really very, very powerful, not only in the Hasidic world, but also, you know, in the socialist Yiddishist world, which was often very left-wing and even anti-religious. So it was a very, very interesting home to grow up in, in terms of... uh, the types of people who would come in terms of the type of things and issues that were discussed at the Shabbos table. Uh, my father covered, you know, things like the Eichmann trial, uh, the ecumenical council in Rome, when, when the Pope in the 1960s took off the blame of the Jewish people for murdering, uh, you know who, Yashkala, and uh, all these types of things. So I really got, I think, a very interesting education mm-hmm. from my father. I had great teachers over the years, but certainly uh, my formative years, my greatest influence, was uh, the wisdom and the perspectives of the late Lubavitcher Rebbe.
1: Now, I'm I'm looking from the outside. The Rebbe seems to have had um, an impact, almost unlike, you know, there there's certain people who, okay, they turn people on to certain concepts and ideas, but. The Rebbe seems to have created like armies and armies of people who are like like legionnaires. Like they're doing the idea of shlichas is like the Rebbe has sent me out and he's created a directive. How did he have that? Meaning, besides, it was it was was it was it, was it his charisma? Was it what, what what did he have a different viewpoint of the world? I mean, you throw a dart, you know, there will be a chassid out there. You give him, you know. Chopsticks, and he will build you a Chabad house with the, all the Hidurim and changing the world from wherever he is. How did the Rebbe, what, what was it about him that, what was it?
0: I think it's, it's a great, great question. I'm not sure I can uh, give the, the accurate answer to it, but I could share some of my perspectives. I so, think there were at least three features that characterized uh, the of Rebbe, Lavrocha, that uh, contributed, at least contributed to this. Number one was the fact that for him Judaism was really a blueprint for humanity. You know, they say Avram Avinu was the founder of monotheism. He was not. There were many Jew- there were many monotheists before, but Avram Avinu was the one who believed in its power to change the world. The Rambam writes in Hilchas Avodah Zorah that Avram Avinu would go from town to town and hold press conferences and preach a Muna. There were a lot of people who believed in one God, but they had Shtiblach, you know, they ate herring, they had Shalashudas, Mesushalach believed in God, and Chanoich believed in God, and Shem believed in God, and Ava believed in God. But Avram really had that confidence to know that this is the truth of the world. And in that sense, I think the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in a post-Holocaust era, really with every fiber of his being, he believed and he exuded this to his students and disciples, that Yiddishkeit has nothing to be embarrassed with. On the contrary, this is what every person is looking for. This is what every Jewish soul is yearning for. Go out, don't be defensive. He turned Judaism from inward, outward. He believed really in that vision of Malchus yud, that we could and we must transform the landscape of planet Earth. And he spoke about it, he taught it, he demonstrated it. And he also, number two, he developed an approach to Judaism that allowed his Hasidim and his disciples to teach it to people of all segments of life. Very often, one of our struggles that we have, I see, you know, I travel to a lot of yeshivas in schools, is people say, it's irrelevant. Gemara is irrelevant. Mishnayis is irrelevant. Halach is irrelevant. Davening is irrelevant. Shabbos is irrelevant. Shavuos is irrelevant. It's like, it's not inspiring. It's not meaningful to me well, how am I going to persuade a secular Jew to come closer to Yiddishkeit if I can't make Yiddishkeit relevant? And one of the Rebbe's greatest gifts was he taught a Judaism that is relevant. It's meaningful. It's psychologically transformative. You look at it and you say, wow, this is good stuff. This can compete with the greatest and most powerful movements in the world. On the contrary, this is like the truth of reality. It's also a Judaism that's not afraid of science, biology, physics, cosmology, history, psychology, philosophy. On the contrary, as the Rebbe would always say, Torah is the blueprint of the universe, which means you will only understand the depth of science or psychology or physics, including quantum mechanics, through Yiddishkeit, through Torah. So that all-embracing, universal, extremely relevant message resonated with a generation of his students who realized that, yes, with this material, we can go out and change the world and bring Dvar Hashem to the world. The third aspect, I would say, is, maybe the most important is, the Rebbe was an incredible, incredible mentor, leader. What do I mean? There are teachers who create wonderful students. There are leaders who create extraordinary followers. The Rebbe was the type of leader who knew how to create leaders. He knew how to imbue people and empower them with the confidence that you can go and change the world. And he did this with thousands of young people, and I'll be very frank with you. I grew up in yeshiva i had a lot of cl- I had a lot of classmates not everybody was brilliant not everybody was charismatic not everybody was talented not everybody was resourceful and many of them if you would look at the trajectory of their life when they were 16 17 18 you may see it as more you know plain and simple maybe a little mediocre today i visit their communities and i see the Rebbe took ordinary people and he made their lives extraordinary i think it was shakespeare who said there are those who are born great, there are those who develop greatness, and there are those where greatness is thrust upon them. The Labavitcher Rebbe thrust greatness upon every person he met. He did not believe that you're small. He loved saying that every Jew is a piece of infinity. If you're a piece of infinity, you're invincible, you are powerful, and you have the koyach of the mishaleach, of the Reboi to change the world. When people grow up with this wow. real inner conviction, then, to quote General Montgomery, the difficult we do immediately, and the impossible takes a little longer.
1: <laughs> I love that line. I love the line. You are a shliach of, of the there, So... Yeah. yeah
0: the a... Rebbe loved quoting a Chakira. Rabbi Yosef Engel is one of the Gaine Poilin. He passed away in 1920, Rabbi Yosef Engel. He has a Sefer Lekach So the Rebbe would always quote a Chakira. He opens up Lekach with the Chakira. What's the getter of a Shliach? Three levels of Shlich one is that the action is the Shliach. It's just that by doing this, I'm Yoitza the Mashalayah, or that the action is attributed to the Meshaleach, like a long arm, or that the Shliach himself during the Shlichus becomes the Meshaleach. And he proves from around 40 places in Shas different I find him. So the Rebbe would say, whichever Darga you are, whichever Madraga <laughs> you are, but remember... You have the Kayach of the mishaleach.
1: Uh-huh. I hear. It's funny now that you're saying it. I could just imagine that the the sugya of shlichus is probably the sugya. Of, I'm not talking about. Shlichas. It's probably a well-studied sugya in 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 yeshivas and I hear. Okay, so. Kedusha,
0: <laughs> kedusha, Yeah. And now,
1: where, where,
0: where do you, where do you learn shlichus from? The Gemara says, Kedushin mm-hmm. Amalov. Then it says, all the Yidin have to shech the carpent paste. The Gemara says, it's impossible. For me, you learn Shluchas, Shaladam So the mm-hmm. Rebbe would say that this Shluchas you learn from Yitzias Mitzrayim. Why? Because the moment you realize that you're a Shliach of the Rabbi Nishalayim, you can go out of all of your Metzarim, all of your confinements. Our confinements in life come from the fact that we. We surrender to a life of quiet desperation. We don't identify that we are manifestations of divine infinity in this world. So Yitzhia Mitzrayim is the core of Shlitzis.
1: <laughs> wow. I want, I want to ask you a question because, you know, doing this show has opened me up to a very diverse audience, something that my regular showroom have not necessarily um, reached Great. or some people, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting dynamic of what's happening And Baruch Hashem, all, all, all the Teva. But there's a segment. A lot of people who reach out to me and they say, "I think I have a Kayak to give a a share in Rambam or in Chavis Halvavas, or I could be, you know, the next speaker. I could be the next whatever." And I'm like, "Gavali, go ahead and do it, you know." And they're reaching out. They want guidance, questions. But in a certain sense, what you're saying here, and I've I've had different people over who are part of Chabad, and they all say the same thing. Whether you're a kindergarten mora or whether you're, they have a certain fire. I am doing shlichas here. I'm 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 on fire. I'm I'm like I'm jumping into the deep end, and then it, it will grow. Meaning my platform will grow. Today I'm teaching jumping this. Tomorrow I'll be teaching this. What I'm sorry.
0: Jumping over the deep end, not into the
1: deep. end. <laughs> over over, and, and, and the, the idea of, of like accepting achrayes. Is a, certain, is a certain key to success. Because a lot of people, they're like thinking like, you know, if I took another five minutes in my day to do this and this, and it's like, no, you're not not thinking big enough. And when you think big enough, the, the just Rebbe, think even Rebbe, bigger.
0: The Rebbe was a very tolerant human being. I saw him for many years. One thing he could not tolerate when he saw that people are squandering their potentials, he could not tolerate it. He wanted every single person to become like a world leader, like He once said in a Fabrengen, he said these words. He said, I would be happy if in Crown Heights I'm left with nine people so I can daven with a minion. Everybody else, please leave. Go build Yiddishkeit, build bridges, build yeshivas, build moisters, build mikvahs, build camps build shuls, build shiurim, build, build, I'm happy to stay here with a minion. Now, most Rebbe's after the war, their goal was to build a huge Kehillah around them. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said, I'm fine with nine people, everyone else, (laughs) go. He he did not, he could not, he really could not stand when people looked at themselves as small, as insignificant, as valueless. He was just allergic to that, to that philosophy.
1: Wow now
0: I think it it left a very deep impact on people who came in contact with him, certainly his Talmudim his his hasidim it just it 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 changes you when you have a person who believes in you like that, you start believing in yourself you're never the same
1: right. now, I know that chabad has a and i i want to segue here, but I know that um you've spoken about this idea that. The Rebbe was very big, very big into using technology or using whatever resource. I'm not going to say whatever resources, because obviously there's a limit to everything. Right. But meaning using resources, being resourceful in spreading the Dva Hashem and, and fulfilling your mission. You know, it's like with the Navy SEAL, you send them out with certain tools, but sometimes you have to improvise and you use whatever it is. I know that you're involved in, in, in like, I'm going to call it, I, I'm not going to say the word that I was going to say, but I mean, you have like a, slich, a slichus, a very big slichas when it comes to Elo. And it's with music and with, so when I grew up in yeshiva, it was more like the, 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 the type where like they walk in, they give a clap on the bimah and they go, rabbi say, it's Elo. They used to cry. We don't cry, but they used to cry. Right? You know, you know, that schmooze that they give in yeshivas. Okay. So that's, that's how I, I always heard it um this is this is this is different the question is is that i um, obviously this is i think that the generation need has a lot of different needs than we've ever had but how do you view that meaning we have such a diverse spectrum yeah. of people that we have today i, I want to hear i want to hear your take on on
0: yeah yeah i'll be very honest with you i myself i'm uncomfortable with a musical sliches myself and in fact, I myself, I'm not part of a musical sliches. Not that I criticize people who have different spiritual needs. But I, growing up by the Rebbe, I remember the atmosphere of sliches, the year. And, uh, you know, there was a chazen doing sliches, like they do in all Jewish communities. And at the end of sliches, they would start singing... And the Rebbe was often crying. They would sing, you know, the song that he composed. Rachamana you know that song?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that
0: song. <laughs> the way our sliches came about is, a few years ago, somebody said to me, in my kehilla here in Monser Chaim said, you know, people are just not in the mood. <laughs> They're just <laughs> not in the mood. All they hear is, that used to be that you elta zayda? would start trembling, like the fish, and even the fish in water are trembling. Yeah. You know, there's a good old anecdote. I don't know if it's true, but it's a great anecdote. The base Halevi woke up Reb Chaim Brisker for sliches when he was five years old, early, four o'clock in the morning. And Reb Chaim was sleeping. He was a little boy. He says, Chaim, Chaim, a fill of the fish. Even the fish in water are trembling by sliches. Come out, get out of bed. And then the, the anecdote goes that Reb Chaim tells his father, Tata, if the fish were on a mattress under a warm blanket, they also wouldn't tremble. So people were saying, you know, we hear all these stories, but it's not speaking to us. Maybe you could fabrein a little bit before sliches. So I said, fine. And we really we improvised. It was the first time. It was not streamed live. It was just the people there. And people started to sing the and Somebody took out a guitar. And it was a transformative. We sat for a few hours till one o'clock in the morning. I even said then a line from the Tzermach that I want to tell you, I think had one of the greatest impacts. I've, I speak a lot, but it probably went to millions of people because wherever I go for, for I don't know, for ten, five years, six years, i always hear. I said it that line, the Tzermach Tzedek said, I said it that night, what's the difference between children and adults? Children don't keep grudges. Adults keep grudges. Children forgive. They say, I hate you, Tati, but then they forgive you. Adults don't forgive. And he said that children choose being happy over being right. And adults choose being right over being happy. And I said, it's before Selichus, let's be children. Let's choose being happy over being right. Ask forgiveness and forgive. And suddenly hundreds and hundreds of Jews came. And then I realized we don't have a right to deprive a young generation from inspiring them to be able to have a real relationship with Hashem. And that's how the sliches events came. The next year, a thousand people came. And the next year, 2,000 people came. And the truth oh. is, after I finished the kumzitz or the fabrengin, there's a lot of, I always announce, a lot of minyanim for sliches. Some people stay with my friend Reb Yoyli, and they do a musical sliches. And many people go back to their shows and they do their regular sliches minyanim, including, wow. including your school. <laughs> now, I have... I've heard criticism, people said it's really not in the spirit of Slichis. It's, it's not, it's not Yerushamayim, and I have to say that I uh, respectfully, I completely identify, I know the world they're coming from, I respect that world, and I identify with it. But to be able to say, to be able to just criticize and say that when you're communicating Yiddishkeit in a way that really touches people's hearts and people's souls, I think we have to understand that different souls may need different forms of inspiration to touch them. And as long as it's according to Shulchan Aruch, it should be celebrated. And there is room for diversity. Shulchan Aruch, you know, is not only one type. There's halacha, but within halacha, there could be so many different colors and shades and forms of expression.
1: 100%. I love that. I love the answer. I love the answer. I think that we, we are certainly living in, in, in a very interesting time Um, you know, again, I I think that there's a lot of people who they get, I'm not going to use the word inspiration, but they, they get information from various, various, um, outlets, various platforms, various things, whether it's newspapers, whether it's wherever it may be. And there's no question, different people need different things and understanding what people are coming from, um, and, and, and what you're giving them, like you're giving them a drop and one day me and you will also shake hopefully you know when we hear the words "elo." but until that point like each on our own darga to sort of you know get what we, we are. need
0: no 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 we do shake when we hear "elo." that's where I disagree people don't realize our youth is incredible the Jewish people are an incredible incredible people that's another thing I learned from the Rebbe he could not tolerate Lush and Hara and Kalal Yisrael the Jewish people are an incredible people just think about this God spoke to us how long ago, Reb Ruven? 3,333 years ago. That's a nice amount of time. 30, 3333. 3, 3, 3, 3. Exactly. You know that. This year is 3333 for Matan Tayyida. And mm-hmm. Hashem did not speak to us again in 3,333 years. He spoke once and he did not speak to us again since 3,500 years ago. And 2,000 years of those 3,000 years, we have experienced. Immense suffering, and yet we're here today, three and a half thousand years later, learning Torah, celebrating Yiddishkeit, arguing yes minion, no minion. How many people at the minion? Should we make a minion? No um, minion. Eric caution, We're arguing about a minion. The Jewish people are an incredible, incredible people, and our youth is an incredible youth. We just have to know the language and the mechanism to be able to tune into people's neshamas. And bring it to the fore, and then you will see the dazzling spiritual radiance and brilliance on the face of every one of our young Jewish men and women.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, you mentioned before
0: my friends. My friends say, "Why do you do it this way? I do it this way." I say, "Listen, my friend, there are 15 million Jews. Unfortunately, most of them are assimilated. Even those who call themselves religious, trust me, many of them." are struggling deeply, and a lot of things are only on the outside, okay? Even if I get by an event 5,000 people, and even if there's 30,000 people watching live, 40,000 people watching, there's another 30 million Jews for you to deal with. Instead of criticizing and judging, go change the world. Go do something. Teach. Inspire. Kindle sparks. Embrace souls. There's so much work to do. Everybody today... Must become an ambassador. The word shlichus should not be hijacked by Chabad.
1: <laughs> What's feared. that Joey Newcomb song? You don't, you don't. You don't have to be Chabad. To want, you know <laughs> It's such it's
0: a not great. Not song. It's not only a Nusa Chabad. It's an every. It's not in it's in Ashkenaz, Svar Dari Yemen Edo Tamizrah. <laughs> 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 the Sepharder writes. The Sepharder writes. Today is Bay Sivan, the day that Hashem said, v'atam Asks Rabbeinu Avadi Sifarno, the Italian 15th century great sage, what's mamleches kayan nim v'goy Kaddish? What Every Jew is a melech. Every Jew is a, is, a, is a priest, is a prince. And he says, yeah, every Jew was charged with responsibility to influence all of civilization. There's so much work. Instead of criticizing, go do. Light up the world wow. in your way, in your way.
1: Wow. I love it. I love it. Now, you mentioned about traveling around to different communities. Um, I've heard, I want to hear your, your, your experiences and all that. But um, something that I've heard on the show from various speakers um, was specifically about the South African community. So many people have mentioned, they said, you know, they're inspired by so many different places. And I said, South Africa has a certain So I want to ask you specifically about that because I know you were there. I know you went to to Sinai and Daba. I was in
0: Sinai and Daba twice. And I actually, just now, last few weeks, I had two lectures with South Africa community. We had thousands of Jews from South Africa, thousands of Jews. We did one right before Pesach, Zoom, and the Yeshiva.net. And we did one a few days ago. And tomorrow I'm doing with Cape Town, the whole Cape Town community. Thousands of Jews come together to learn. What's the secret? South Africa has a special gift. There's a lot of Achtos there. It's a relatively small community, 50-60,000 Jews in Johannesburg, 15-20,000 uh, Jews in Cape Town, no, probably less, 10,000 Jews. But they work together. The Rabbonim work together. The Askanim work together. The Manhigim work together. And uh, and they, they have a spirit. They have a good spirit. And I think it's the gift of achdos. When I was there, I told, I said at Sinai and Daba, and I, Rabbi Warren Goldstein was there. I said, you know, try imagining if the Shabbos project would have been initiated in New York. <laughs> what would have happened? <laughs>
1: it would have started Man, in flat place and ended in
0: it came from South yeah. Africa, relative to New York. South Africa is a very tiny community. Yeah, In two blocks in Borough Park, you have what they have in South Africa. And yet yeah. from there, they created an initiative that really impacted so powerfully the Jewish world. And yeah. There's also a Varenkite, they're warm people. They have a, uh, a kite And it's interesting that Afri- Africa South African community originates from the Lita, you know, Lithuania. The Panovichirov, Rav Khan, would go almost every year to fundraise because a lot of his community in Panovich, Lithuania, migrated to South Africa. He used to raise money for his moizdas in Bnei Brak, including the right. Panovich yeshiva. And uh, they, had a, they have a certain covet, a certain varnagat, even those who were secular and go playing golf on Shabbos, but there's a certain respect respect for a shul, respect for Yiddishkeit, respect for a rav. Another major component over there is where America and similar countries reform were the first ones to come, they set the standard. In South uh-huh. Africa, orthodoxy set the standard. That makes a very big difference.
1: Interesting. Those are some of
0: the features. Some of the features.
1: Now, what, tell me about other places you've gone and you've, you've traveled around.
0: I This chuz to visit, I don't know, maybe five or six hundred Jewish communities over the last two decades. Incredible, incredible. Every place has its unique genre, you know, its unique flavor. Darizal writes that, you know, in every place in the world, Hashem has the sparks, you know, that you have to elevate. The Gomorrah says, uh, The reason we went into golos is to bring converts. It's the Balatanya and the Nefeshachayim ask, how many converts did we bring already? And they say, it's the Nitzitzas. It's every place has its unique flavor. And when you, when you see how they serve Hashem with that unique identity, yeah. that unique genre, it, it gives a new flavor to Yiddishkeit. I was not long ago in, in, in Antwerp. A place like Antwerp is fascinating. Why? It's one of the only places in the world left where you have Jews without a beard and payas, like Hasidim, without Shreimlach. They look secular, they are secular, but they speak a perfect Yiddish. Three percent intermarriage in Antwerp. Three percent intermarriage. I asked the Rav, Rav Schiff, as the chief rabbi, the Isabel 3% intermarriage? We have in Massachusetts 90% intermarriage. And the reason is because every single Jewish kid in Antwerp goes to a Jewish school. It may not be a very frum school. It may not be a school-saturated with with Babakama and Mesech Tezvachem, but it's a Jewish school. There's a Jewish identity, a Jewish culture. That was amazing. It's also the only Kehillah in the world that remains uninterrupted from before the war. You don't have such a Kehillah. It continued, and it still has the flavor from pre-Holocaust shtetl life. It's very, very interesting. I went to a place like Perth, Australia. Perth, Australia. Incredible. Incredible how the rabbi there holds up the community. Places like Brisbane, uh, Surfer's Paradise, Uh, of course, Russia. Russia, I come from Russia. My parents both come from Russia. If you want to see a miracle, you want to see a miracle like Kriyas Yamsov. you go to Russia. For 70 years, every vestige of Judaism was uprooted. Stalin murdered more people than Hitler, 50 million people. Uh, he told me, Reb Shimon Russell is a therapist in, in Yerushalayim, he told me that he spoke to Rebyakov Yaakov Kamenetsky's atzal. And he was thinking about a Russian Jew, you know, who was naming a child after a Zaydeh from Russia who completely left Yiddishkeit. And Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said, Jews who came out of Russia, don't judge anything ever. No one will understand what Russian Jewry went through. The xeris, the Redifus are unfathomable. You go to Russia today? You go to Russia today? Posh, it's incredible to see a menorah by the Kremlin, a few feet from Stalin and Lenin, and I think poor Stalin and Lenin must be turning over in their grave, in their mausoleum. 3,000 children on Agbaoim pre-corona, screaming, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekenu Hashem Mechad by the Kremlin. I met the chief rabbi of Moscow, Rabbi Beryl Lazar, and he told me that just in Moscow, there are more than 70 Yiddish and and that just Chabad in Russia has more than a hundred full-time day schools yeshivas wow. with already a few hundred thousand children who graduated, Yiddish If this is not a miracle, <laughs> I don't know what is a miracle. But really, every every place, I mean South America is fascinating. Uh Europe, every community. I mean, I can talk to you a lot about this, but it's really it's really amazing. Every community has its challenges and, <laughs> uh, and, and has its blessings and virtues. And every place, you really learn tremendous amount.
1: Wow. Amazing. You know, I, I learned by our views like Berkowitz and Eric Tisrael. And Eric Berkowitz yeah. has, we also have, you know, a, a, a chevre who've been out here changing, you know, different communities from Texas to South yeah. Africa also. Yeah. Um, and, and it's very interesting as well, you know, like when you, when you talk to them of their communities, I love the Vart that you're saying that we're there to to, to give different flavors to Judaism. Yeah, yeah. It was always the same thing. And now it's like, no, we need the, the Texas draw. Yeah, it's, and ra- the... yeah,
0: yeah. it's a unique I, texture. It's a unique texture. I love God it. Richard Rabbi, I think once said that uh, it's based on a Maral. The Maral says that all the golios in every golos, right? The Gemara says in Megillah, galu edam, elam, here. And the point is, it's not just the shechina went with them. It's that there is a unique element of the Shechina that you discover in this place and in this place and in this place.
1: Like it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey of the Shechina that has to go through part this. Of
0: the journey of the Shechina to heal the world, to repair the world and really show the harmony. The ultimate vision is when the harmony, the oneness of Hashem will be revealed in the whole universe. From New Zealand to Peru, from Alaska to London, from Moscow to Yerushalayim, and from Cape Town to the Congos to uh, New York. So,
1: now, uh, now I, I, you've been involved in, in so many different things. And I, I know that I know you've been involved from the written word to the spoken word to traveling around to in-person. There's a lot of people. I feel like that they're on they're on a journey. We're all on a journey. At the end of the day, we're all on a journey. Hopefully, hopefully, we're on a journey. Hopefully, we're trying to get you know, lech lecha. To elevate ourselves. By Hashem
0: al-Avram, lech lecha. The definition lecha. of a Jew is lechlecha. To
1: to not be stagnant. That's to the defi- mo-
0: that's the first the first commandment of the first Jew is lechlecha. Move. <laughs> Move.
1: So we're we're Move. all getting we're all going hopefully higher and and growing and. A lot of times um, people hear words of inspiration. They hear concepts, they hear ideas and they say, oh, you know, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then they don't, (laughs) you know, the next day they're back to eating what they were eating yesterday. I'm not just talking about food, but proverbially, you know, proverbially they're, they're, they're going to change, but they don't. I'll work on my anger but they don't, I'm going to do it, but they don't. I'll be a better husband, wife, but they don't. How does somebody convert concepts into action, into actual change within their lives?
0: Right. I, I would say there's two major components. First of all, you have to be able to have the honesty and you probably usually need the assistance of somebody else to be able to scrutinize yourself and ask yourself if it's possible that subconsciously, You're sabotaging yourself, which means I could go on a diet. I should go on a diet. And the diet begins. But then a week later or two weeks later, I'm at a bris or a bamitsu before corona, and I see a nice piece of cheesecake, and I break my diet. What happened? What happened was not that I was not sincere. What happened is that there are certain underlying root issues in my core. They may be unconscious that are causing me to sabotage myself. Maybe it's a deep fear of success. Some people are afraid of failure, and some people are afraid of success. I often tell my students, you know, we often say people are afraid of their darkness. I'll tell you something. People are sometimes much more afraid of their light. I have found that people have a deep fear of them being really successful in life. Deep down, there's a voice inside many of us which asks the following question. Who do you think you are to be successful, to be gorgeous, to be powerful, to be influential, to change the world, to have a beautiful marriage, to have an amazing relationship with your children, with your grandchildren, to be an incredible Jew, to be an ambassador of love, light and hope? Who do you think you are? Especially if I heard these messages as a child or as a teenager, or even if I didn't, but I absorbed such messages. And therefore, I sometimes undermine myself subconsciously. So you really have to really be able to examine the voices inside of you and inside of me, which are usually giving me a message that's holding me back from concretizing that vision. So when I say I want to do this, I want to, I don't really want to. I want to, but there's another part of me that doesn't want. That's number one, because that can really help a lot, a lot of people. Because when you can quarantine that voice, pun intended, and not allow it to control your life, you can, you can be emancipated. The other component is, you have to start translating it into action. To quote the Sefer HaChinuch in Parshas Boy, Achere Nimshachos Get out there. Do something. Start writing. Make a blog. Make a Sheer. Reach out to people build an institution, make a movement, create an organization, make a chevra, make a chabur, do something. When you start doing things, action changes reality. And today in psychology, we know that changes in the body are the most powerful sources of healing. It used to be the model was CBT. You have to change your thoughts. Today, the body holds the score. That's cutting-edge therapy. It's about the physical self. That's where most trauma is. It's also true in the positive. Start with start doing something with your body. Get it off the ground. Yes, there will be criticism. It will be imperfect. But the moment you start something in actuality, now other people know about it. They create this feedback. There's an energy. So you allow the actions to drive you. Don't wait for inspiration to proceed the actions, let the actions trigger the inspiration. You will go much further.
1: Are you saying that if somebody has, has, has a, an idea in their brain, whatever it is, let's say it be a better husband, a better father, whatever it is, put, put enough tension on the line that you're doing something different today than you did yesterday. Yeah. And keep, keep recycling that around yeah. over and over and you will eventually see something turn around.
0: Yeah, the mission at the end, the Mishnah at the end of Peah in the negative, but the same as in the positive. The missioner says if somebody feigns blindness or that he's a cripple or that he's lame, he won't die until he becomes that way. The other way as well, the missioner says if somebody is poor and makes himself rich and doesn't take tzedakah, he will die a rich man. It's the mindset that actually creates the reality. A person is living like a rich man, you create that energy. It's a Mishnah and Paya. Wow. If I'm living like a poor man, I really create that energy. But it's also very important to be able to... We lost them for a minute. I the inner nice. skeletons or... Rabbi,
1: <coughs> Rabbi, we lost you for a minute, if you don't mind.
0: I'm here. You hear me? Hello.
1: Now you're back. Yeah. Okay. You with me? Yeah, yeah, we're with you. I'm sorry. You were saying that you have to have the inner, the inner what? I'm sorry.
0: I, I was just saying that it's, I think, important also to have somebody who can help you identify what if there is a skeleton or a trauma inside of you
1: that is that's really holding hold, you back,
0: holding you back, a fear, a fear.
1: I hear. Could I'll you tell, tell you me about?
0: Many years ago, I started to write essays. I send out an essay every single Shabbos. And a lot of people get it. I don't know, I have uh, maybe 25,000 people get it, and they send it out to other people. And I remember the first week I wrote it, I never took writing lessons, and I didn't go to a yeshiva with such good English, let's put it that way. Uh, And I wrote it, and somebody close to me looked at it, and the person said, you're not embarrassed to send this out? You're not embarrassed to send this out? (laughs) Now, at that moment, I knew, okay, that remark... Could literally stop me from sending out another essay for the next 50 years. And then I said, you know what? I'm gonna get an editor. And I sent it out. I got a lot of criticism and I learned from the criticism. So it's very, mm-hmm. very important not to be afraid of people giving you negative feedback. It's one of the greatest things that stops people.
1: How do you people... know when how do you know when to listen?
0: Excellent question. Excellent question. So the... <laughs> Three <laughs> type, the three types of people, okay? There are people you don't have to listen to because they just have an ax to grind. They're jealous, they're bitter, they're miserable. You don't even have to listen. You could listen, but it's, it shouldn't register. There's another group of people who you should always listen to and you should learn what they're saying. You should study it. They may make an interesting comment, but don't define your career based on them. And then you have to have a few individual people in your life, real Rebbe's, real mentors, real guides who you trust, people whose judgment you trust, you trust their love, and most importantly, you trust that they want your success. And those uh-huh. are people you should really listen to. Those are the three groups of people. Listen to everybody, but some people let it, you know, let it just slip off. Second group, listen. And if there's something to learn from it, learn from it. But don't let it define your life. And then you have to have individuals who really can help you get to the next step. And and remember, ultimately, it's about your conviction. If you know what you're doing is right, and you know that this is, this is the way where your neshama wants to go, you go for it. Because mm-hmm. naysayers, you will find always, always. I'll mm-hmm. tell you a beautiful, beautiful vart. When Yeshua sends the two spies to Yerichai, Kalev and Pinchas, Daftar of Shlach, says he sends Meragrei Cheresh. So the Gemara says in Saita, he told them, Asu kacharosh, make believe you're death. So people will talk in your presence because they think you're death. They won't think you're spy. So I, somebody asked the question, you think people are so stupid? Two, two strangers come and they make believe they're death. I'm going to spill all the beans. <laughs> he was When you're about to conquer Eretz Yisrael, everybody will tell you that it's a bad idea. You have to be able to know how to be deaf. Wow. Anybody who did anything great had to be deaf to endless criticism. It's not going to work. not going to work. Who do you think you are? There's much greater people than you. You don't have money. You don't have this. You don't have confidence. You're not talented. You got to be a little deaf.
1: <laughs> I want to tell you. I I just I just came full circle no, on some.
0: Which one? about khushin, Why he was deaf?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But say it over.
0: Gavaldik Rebchamzulavitch says the Gemara says in Saita that when they were about to bury yaakov Avinu, so Esav disputed. The Machpel, he said it's mine, right? So they didn't have the deed, so they sent Naftali to run to Egypt, to bring back the deed. I don't know why they couldn't WhatsApp it. Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> but they sent Naphtali. So Chushim, the son of Don, was death. So he said, what's going on? Why is Yaakov here for hours? They told him, Esav doesn't let Yaakov be buried. He said, achutzpah? And he gave Esav a frask? And Esav was yizgadal ve yizkadash. Esav was buried with Yitzchok, and Yaakov had his place in Marsam Machpelah. Ask Subhaim Chaim Shmolevich, I don't understand. You had the Yosef Atzadik, the Prime Minister of Egypt, most powerful person in the world. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He was fine. Aisov is terrorizing the place. And you had Yehuda, Gurari Yehuda, the Melachim Reshmatim, the man was ready to take on the world. You had Shimon and Levi. Nobody said a word. You know what Chaim Shmuelberg says. He says because they weren't deaf, so they somehow became entangled in the argument. There's Esau's position, Yaakov's position, their position, my position, my position. Hushim was deaf; He did not become entangled in the argument. He had a certain decisiveness and clarity. There was no moral ambiguity for him. It's a Uh very powerful insight. I've seen it, you know, debates about Israel and their enemies, Israel, Iran, the Palestinians, you know. We often get entangled. Are we a genocide? Do we believe in genocide? Are we apartheid? Ethnic cleansing? You know, sometimes you have to learn from Kushan. Don't allow these foolish arguments to entangle you because they're traps.
1: I, I want to tell you, I, I'm listening to you talk. First of all, I i, 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 I want to say this in, in a very respect. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm blown away. I, there's so many things you're saying here that I'm really nisphal from. There's, there's, I'm thinking oh, now mother-in-law,
0: of. What are you telling me for? Tell my mother in law.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking again, I've never been to Fabringen. I've never been to, to any of these things, but right now, I right now
0: you're a bringing right oh, oh, this is it?
1: This, this is, is it? Fabringen.
0: What do you think? I,
1: <laughs> I didn't realize.
0: <laughs> a Fabringen is two Jews who love each other. Connect heart to heart, soul to soul, mind to mind. That's a Fabrenian.
1: Okay, so fine. This is my first Fabrenian. My wife is sitting on camera. I don't do know me. if you know this. I'm at a Fabrengen right now.
0: Rabbi Ruben, you don't need cake. You don't need herring. You don't even need vodka. All you need <laughs> is a genuine heart and a genuine soul. That's it.
1: Okay, so I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I finally made it <laughs> without even knowing what I was showing up to. But I want to tell you that I, I, I would imagine because what you just said, what you just said has been something that has been, you gave me such clarity and something that's been on my mind for the last few weeks and months. You know, I'm in, I'm in the business world, I'm an accountant, and even as accountant, you know, within my firm, within other businesses that I'm involved with, you're always asking people for, what do you think about this? Is this a good deal, a bad deal? Should we do this? Should we do that? And you just said something that's so clear to me that you should listen to the people who want your success.
0: Always, yeah.
1: My mind is mamish blown yeah. because it's it's so, and, and that's the idea of a rebbe. Obviously, is somebody who who's further up ahead than you, and a friend is somebody who's maybe you know similar. But that's the key. That mamish is the key. People who love you, people who
0: are not jealous of you, they want to see you fly. They want to see you successful. Anybody else, you're wasting your time with.
1: I I, I, Mamash, I I have to tell you, but what, what, what what's bringing me back to the idea of the Fabringen is that what I'm thinking is, is that is that it's an upshot that they have. Again, you have to tell me because this is my first Fabringen and you only sang one song. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the idea, the idea that there's a, that there's a song involved is more like it's it, it, it's a n I I i Want to get a banana right now? I have to tell you, i mommish Have such 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 a happiness from what you told me because. It's been on my mind and I hear different people say different things on different business decisions and life decisions and things. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to differentiate between the naysayers and you know, the ones who you should talk and be listening to. And you think everyone has a good concept, a good idea. You should listen and try to filter it out. But you just gave me so much clarity. So I, I, again, I, 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 this is my first time bringing. in, but I would imagine that they're not just dancing cause it's like, it's 8.30, we gotta dance. It's more like it's time to dance from the inside.
0: <laughs> yes, sometimes the response to certain, a certain energy is only dancing.
1: Yes, I, I I'm almost feel it right now. I have to tell you, I almost feel it right now. Now, a question for you. you. I
0: want to tell you something. Yeah. I heard this from the longtime leader of OU, Yabtsvi Weinreb, you know, the editor of yes. the Koran English, Gitalmud um I heard this from him, and, and he's not a Chabadnik at all. <laughs> so he's not of you know, sometimes Chassidim are suspected, you know, they have to build up their, their Rebbe. And this, I heard this from him, Pe'el Pe'. Yeah. And he told me, he said he was a rub in Maryland. Such a lesson in life. He was a rub in Maryland, late 60s, early 70s. He went through a midlife crisis. He didn't know if he should continue in Rabbanis, if he should become a psychologist. He wanted to get a doctorate. He wanted to move away from rabboness from Chinuch. He was having a lot of challenges, marriage, family, his own identity. Now, he was a Talmud of Rabbi Yoshe Ber. Zatzal. He was a Talmud of some of the great literature Rosh Hashivas, But he didn't want to consult somebody who knew him. He wanted to, like, get an opinion from, you know, just completely somebody from a different world. I heard this from him. He said, I called, he told me, I called up Rabbi Chabukov, who was the secretary of the Labavitcher Rebbe. And I said, he said, I didn't want to say my name. It was private. I said, Rabbi, can you give me an appointment with the Labavitcher Rebbe? I am from Maryland. I'll drive into New York. Whenever you tell me, the Rebbe would see people at night, 830 at night, throughout the night, not by day. I'll come. I just want to be with him a few minutes. I need I need advice for my life. And he told me the words he said is, Doret Ayid from Maryland. This is a Jew from Maryland. Okay. Rabbi Chabadov said the appointment is full for six months. I don't think I could put you in. He says it's very urgent. Please, could you maybe ask the Rebbe? Ask the Rebbe, maybe he'll 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 allow. I'm a confused Jew from Maryland. Maybe he'll help me. Chabadov says okay, and he dials into the into the Rebbe's office and Rabbi uh, from his office, and he says he says to Lubavitch Rebbe, there's a Jew a Jew from Maryland, and he wants to come see the Rebbe. He needs advice for his life for his future. So Rabbi Weinreb told this to me. He says, Rabbi, why, why? I hear the Rebbe's voice to Rabbi Chadekow. I knew the Rebbe's voice from the radio. From the radio, <laughs> I knew his voice because they would broadcast his Fabrengan's weekdays on the radio, like Purim, you know, these types, Yat Kislev. He yeah. said, so, I hear the Rebbe tell Rabbi Chadekow, Zogem tell him that if he lives in Maryland, there's a Jew in Maryland, his name is Weinreb. Let him go discuss his dilemmas with Weinreb. <laughs> Rabbi Weinreb tells me he says, Rabbi Jacobson, I thought I am hallucinating. <laughs> so Rabbi Chadikov tells me the Rebbe said, "Go speak to Wine Reb in Maryland." I tell Rabbi Chadikov, "I am I'm Wine Reb from Maryland. I'm the guy who's confused." <laughs> tell the Rebbe, I'm Wine So Rabbi Chadikov was about to faint. This is like beyond strange. So he tells the Rebbe, he is Wine Reb. He's the one who wants advice. <laughs> and he tells me, Rabbi Jacobson. And he, he he became emotional. He said the Rebbe said these words: "Zagim is good amol zayn Wow, that's wow. very good. Because sometimes a person has to consult himself.
1: Wow,
0: <laughs> and that was it. Rabbi Weinrib said it changed his life. He says the Rebbe said you have to really consult yourself,
1: and
0: he wow. said ad when I have a serious dilemma, I speak to a lot of people, but the one person I really speak to is myself. Wow. And I think it's so important for people. Of course you should get advice and get advice from people who want your success. That's the people you want advice from, but it's so important to have a real conversation with yourself. Very, very important.
1: Wow. This is such powerful. Unbelievable ideas. Um, let me ask you a question. As as an out, again, I'm I'm like as Lithish as I don't know what the metaphor is. I don't know what the metaphor is, but I mean, I I I'm 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 not from. Live
0: in a world where we're all one. Trust me.
1: So so I, I have like to Litvish,
0: tell you, North it's all
1: one. So I have to tell you that my
0: right before Mashiach, right before Mashiach, Kalal becomes one. Doesn't mean we all agree on everything. It Doesn't mean we dive in the same Nussach. Doesn't mean we wear the same hat on Shabbos, but trust me, today I see it everywhere. I know the I, world very well. I know the Jewish <laughs> world. I know the Chabad world, the non-Orthodox world. We're mamish mamish one. Whoever I want to tell you, that, they're 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 missing the boat.
1: No, so I want to tell you that I, I actually I was about to say that I was going to tell you that from what I see in, in my in my few years that I've been on this planet, it looks almost like there's like somebody stirring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, So much interaction between so many things which almost didn't exist, right? It was always, you're here, this is there. You tell, you tell, you're
0: telling me, 20 <laughs> years ago, I don't know if you know the history between Satma and Chabad. It was not very, how do we put it? It was not very <laughs> balabatish, okay? If you would tell my father, my father had a Yiddish newspaper <laughs> and it was very difficult with Satma. If you would tell my father, my father's already passed away 15 years ago. But if you would tell my father 20 years ago, just 20 years ago, not 100 years ago, that Rabbi YY Jacobson would be invited continuously to curious Yoel Monroe <laughs> or Williamsburg, <laughs> my father would say, You have to be institutionalized. You have to be institutionalized. This is not Shaykh. I was a kid, Mitzvah Shabbos, playing chess with my cousin, and somebody came with a big rock a car in front of our house on Montgomery Street and threw a huge rock into the window, and it fell one foot away from me. And that's yeah. why I'm alive, because of that miracle. And the person who threw the rock, unfortunately, was not a uh, mafiosenic from Italy. It was yeah. Mishaluni, uh-huh. a terrible, terrible machleikas. And I don't have to tell anybody about the, the, the different disputes between the Litvisha world and the Chabad world and a lot of other disputes in Klaal but today we have a phenomenon that is unprecedented, and for this we have to say shachiyano vikimano and it's not it's not an external thing. It's grassroots. It's real. It's authentic. You know the Hatsolathon. You saw that yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah. They raised fifty million bucks. It was organized by three Lubavitcher kids, by three <laughs> Lubavitcher young men, three Chabad young men who organized it. Businessmen, successful businessmen who did it. Friends of mine. And they did it, and then uh, they, you know, and Lakewood raised two million dollars, and then Crown Heights a million and a half, and Borough Park two million dollars. It was incre- an incredible phenomenon. Today, if you have your your finger on the pulse of Klal Yisrael, you know that the Rebbeinu Sheloilam has brought us to a place of deep, deep unity. I know there's still machlekas, and we have plenty of problems, and we got to deal with it. But that's that's petty, that's very petty, and it's not It's not from the Pnimmies, it's not from the Etzim. At the core, millions of Jews, they are fed up with strife and hate and, and mistrust and, and negativity and gossip. They're mamish fed up with it. You know, when I was a Bachirol, if you, were a, you got up in your shul and you spoke against a certain community, you became popular. Today, you'll be booed off the stage. You'll be booed off the stage. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to mm. hear it. They want to hear a message that brings out that we are one. We are children of Hashem. Our neshamas are one. The Gemara says in Yerushalmi in that we are all limbs of one body. We don't have to agree with each other, but we have to be able to trust each other. We have to be able to rely on each other. We have to be able to lean on each other, to be here for each other. I don't need my wife to agree with me. I need my wife to be here for me. I need my (laughs) wife to be able to trust me and I should be able to trust her that she has my back and I have her back. That's what we need from each other. We don't have to agree about everything. Although we probably agree on most things. What most important is that we have to be able to respect each other and love each other and trust each other. And I see it, I see it. And it's, it's a very big blessing. I know we love to criticize our generation, but I'm telling you that this is, an extraordinary phenomenon, an extraordinary phenomenon. And it's, yeah. it's a special gift.
1: Yeah. No, I, I see it from my, from my vantage point. I, I'm happy that you share that you share in that. It's funny, like the, the words that come to mind, again, for our, for our brain, that we have to get up and dance, is, yeah. But what my question is... In, you know the in,
0: kamikazes? You know the Japanese kamikazes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, I read that the, the, one of the last kamikazes died. In 1974, they found him in a forest with a gun, waiting to shoot down an American plane. Nobody told him that the Pacific War was over in 1945. In 1974, the man was still fighting a war. Unfortunately, I think some of us are, remind us of those Japanese kamikazes. The war is over. There's nothing to fight about anymore. There's nothing to fight about. We need to work together. We all have to work together to bring Mashiach. We all have to bring work together to be Makar of our brothers and our sisters to the Shechina. We all have to work together to inspire our youth. We all have to work together to bring healing to our world. There's enough work for everybody. The war is over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what, what specifically, if, if well, I... I have if...
0: to tell you a word. You like good verter. Yeah. When I was a little kid, Rabbi Soloveitchik, Rabbi Yosheber Soloveitchik, came to a yeah. Fabrengan of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 1980, when the Rebbe was commemorating the 30th yardside of his father-in-law. Rabbi Soloveitchik, to come to a was a big deal. And he sat there, I remember he sat there for two hours, he was supposed to stay for 20 minutes, but the Rebbe made a hadron on former sechtes, uh, brachus, yevomus, nazir, and chrysus. banayach. <laughs> And Rabbi Soloveitchik was, uh, was a hadron between the Rebbe. Rabbi was talking to Rabbi Soloveitchik. with <laughs> were, were 10,000 people, but it was a fena- fascinating phenomenon. Rabbi Soloveitchik was quelling. Probably the Rebbe quoted then in one sikh, uh, hundreds of times the Rambam on the lashon in honor. I think it was in honor of Rabbi Soloveitchik, probably. <laughs> and I don't know this, but it looked like it. Anyway, so uh, Julius Berman, Rabbi Yehuda Berman, was the head of the, head of the claims conference, uh, leaders of OU, Rabbi Julius Berman. He told me, that the next day he went to Rabbi Soloveitchik, and he says, ooh, they say that last night the Vilna Gon made peace with the Balatanya. Rabbi Soloveitchik says, what do you mean? It's 1980. He says, well, you're a Soloveitchik. Your father was Reb Moshe, your Zayda was Reb Chaim, your uncle was the Grizz, your Elta Zayda was the Beis Halevi, your Elta, Elta, Elta Zayda was Reb Chaim You're the Vilna Gon. The, the Lubavitcher Reb is a Schneerson. He's from the Balatanya. Last night, the Balatanya made peace. The Vilna Gaon made peace with the Balatanya when you came to 770. And Rabbi Berman told me, Rabbi Soloveitchik, he says, gave me a melancholy look. <laughs> and he said, they already made peace in Auschwitz. Uh, he said, they uh, already made peace in Auschwitz.
1: Right. He said,
0: Mangala did not ask people online, are you a Litvak? <laughs> or you a chassid? He really didn't care. He right. didn't even ask you if you're an atheist. If you had Jewish blood in your sinews, you belonged in the gas chambers. And okay. it always gives me perspective. You know, it always gives me perspective. If Hitler believes that we're brothers, I can also believe that we're brothers.
1: Wow. Wow. Right here. Yeah, what, what, when I look, again, from my limited knowledge, my limited scope what you know i know that you wrote a book on this like the study of hasidim what can people learn because i know within hasidus there's so many aspects there's so many things the simcha like what if somebody was to take something to be something from the study of hasidus or or watching it or learning it first of all is there something that somebody can read or should be reading and second of all um, just a concept, a term that somebody should be implementing into their, that I should be implementing into my life. Not that I don't care about anybody else, <laughs> but I am asking for myself, not asking for a friend.
0: Uh, there's a lot to learn. I mean, some of the fundamentals of the Has- Svarim of Hasidus are books like Tanya, uh, Kesser Shemtev by the Balshamtev, Ktusha Slavy by Reb Kobarditchev, or Teirah by the Magad of mizrich Today they have, uh, a great, great resource is Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz has a set called Beer Tanya, which really makes it very relevant. There's a set called Hasidus Mevu Eres. It's like an art scroll on Hasidus. Those are all very good works. If somebody likes classes on theyeshiva.net, I have uh, two or 300 classes on the Kuti Torah of the Baal HaTanya. I think is a very, very powerful work of Hasidus that people could study. And just to bring out one point, maybe uh, in 30, 40 seconds, I would say really that Chassidus uh, came to accentuate and emphasize what's called the Pnimius of Torah, or what Devil Nagan calls in his Kabbalistic writings the Neshama of Torah, the soul of Torah. What does this mean? It means that every halacha in Nigla. Also has a soul, an emotional, spiritual, psychological counterpart. So, for example, I'm learning about shur Shanaga an axe that gores a cow, or I'm learning the halachas of ribis, or the halachas of muktzah, the halachas of carbonas. I'm learning about shutfim who want to build a wall. Shutfim shidatul asos mechitzu. I'm learning about a shur or a shur muad, or about arba avos neziken shur berma vever shnaim oiches and betalis. So you have the physical, concrete halacha that deals with a physical scenario. In Chesidus, that same Mishnah or same Gemara will be explored on a spiritual, psychological level. So Shnayim Eichaz and or Abba Avas Neziken will talk about four dimensions in your soul which cause you to become somebody who damages and sabotages your life. You spoke before about sabotaging success. Shor, mava Chassidists will say, you know what a bar means? A bar means when you're depressed, you feel that you're an empty nobody. You just have a void in you. Hever means you're dealing with anger issues. Shor, or mave, mava is a machlaikis. if you have addiction to food, which is shane, or adam, it's coming from your arrogance and intelligence. And shor, which means from my animalistic drives. I'm just giving one example. So every Mishnah, Assumes now a psychological and spiritual meaning, and it's very fascinating because it creates a new relevance to every halacha, every story in chumash in the world of Chasidus. Every story in chumash, Yosef and his brothers, or Cain and Hevel, or Yaakov and Esav, or mitzvahs like tefillin, shatnas are not just concrete halachas, but they represent what's called teirus hanefesh, a journey of the soul. Another major component of Chasidus is the way it looks at God usually we see God as some very powerful you know, king in heaven who rewards us and who punishes us, who has a contract with us, who expects certain things, which is, of course, true. But in Chassidus, there's a tremendous emphasis on what we call Einoid Malvadei, that Hashem is not really a being. Hashem is reality. In other words, the word Hashem is really just another word for reality. Everything, the DNA of existence is divine energy means everything is divine energy. So we are Hashem. We are all part of Hashem. We're all part of, of the divine reality, which means that serving Hashem is not just serving a king in heaven. It really means a relationship with your own deepest self, with your own pnimius. So a big focus of Chassidus was turning Hashem from... A king in heaven into the ultimate core of your reality. In other words, Avoides Hashem means the ultimate relationship with yourself. I think another major component is sometimes people look at Judaism in terms of a contract. It's like Hashem makes a contract with me, it's a checkoff list. You know, you do Shachos Min you learn, you do mitzvahs, and you get Eilim Haba, and you don't, you get Gehenim. It's like you're an employee. And I think Chassidus emphasized very much the idea that there's an intimate relationship. It's not that I'm doing Torah and Mitzvahs in order to have ganeden Rather, I'm doing Torah and Mitzvahs because Torah and Mitzvahs is the ultimate ganeden Because you and Hashem are mamish one, you're, you're an ambassador of Hashem. You're a manifestation of Hashem. A relationship with Hashem means a relationship with, with, with your deepest reality. There's nothing greater than that. Shar mitzvah mitzvah, the Balatanya says, the greatest schar of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. It's, much, it's, it's even much much deeper than Ganeid, and that's why chassidus, the words reward and punishment were somewhat uh, not canceled, but uh, yeah. they're a second tier. The main focus is realizing who you are, what it means to be a Jew, uh, another major focus is the actus of the neshamas. Another major focus is the fact that the world is one, the whole world is really one. These are some of, you know, interesting, uh, meaningful ideas uh, that, are very, uh, that are very much accentuated. They're not, they weren't invented, but they're very much accentuated in the world of chassidus. I would also say that in today's day and age especially, there is so much spiritual competition out there there's a lot of cutting edge spirituality and psychology and quantum physics and sophisticated Jews. If for them to really celebrate Yiddishkeit as something deep and meaningful, Yiddishkeit has to be very, very deep. And from my research, I have found that the writings of Hasidus really reveal that level of sophistication in Judaism, which borders on themes of quantum physics, quantum reality, string theory, uh, DNA, understanding of DNA, of epigenetics, of molecular biology, because it basically discusses Yiddishkeit and Torah and Mitzvahs and spirituality from a very, very deep, deep transcendent spiritual place. So in that that sense, there's also, I think, something very uh, compelling and powerful. Anyway, these are some of uh, yeah. very brief
1: ideas. <laughs> I I have to be more on the yeshiva.net, That's for sure. <laughs> I have to, I want to start studying this. Um, question, maybe our last question here. You had mentioned before about about turning mundane. I'm not. I'm going to call it mundane, but seemingly mundane mitzvahs, yam, these kinds of things into something a little bit deeper and meaning and more meaningful. What could you share with me on Shavuos itself? It's coming up in a few days. Um, Either a mashava, an idea, or maybe even just a practical idea how somebody can take this day. And instead of just being about cheesecake and staying up, you know, it's very interesting because you watch people who come to learn. And I know this year is a funny year in in that regard. If if, if Shul's will be open, how exactly it will be. Like people come in and they're like already like schwitzing, you know, like they need their coffee and then they come in and they need their candy and they come in. like we're like so geared up. What, how could somebody take their shluas this year and elevate it?
0: I think the most important thing to remember about shluas is the idea that the Torah was given, not to malachim, it was given to, as the Gemara says in Mesech to Shabbos, to souls who are here down here, Lamata, in this world. And what that really means is, as it's explained, in, in Chassidus, there's a beautiful mimer from the Balatanya, why Hashem gave the Torah in a desert. You want to marry your fiancé, you know, take them to the Ritz-Carlton or to the Hilton. A desert, a wilderness, a pasture it's not the place of a wedding. But really, there's a very profound message here. And Torah was not given for people who live in a Lala land. Torah was given in a desert to teach us that we have the resources and the ability to confront the wilderness inside of us. Within each and every person, there's wilderness. There's a part of us that's dry, that's parched, that's not cultivated. The sun is very, very hard. There's no growth. There's no vegetation. It's the parts of us that are dead, that are infertile, that are lifeless. That's what a midbar is. The Tosik says in Yirmiya, a place where there's no produce, there's no vegetation. That's exactly where Matan Torah was. You know why? When you look in the mirror psychologically and you feel that there's so many parts of me that are they're just, they're infertile, they're disastrous, they're like a desert. It's fascinating that the first word of Aseris Adibris is Anoichi. It says in Medrash Tamchoma, Anoichi is not a Hebrew word, it's an Egyptian word. Anoichi loshin Mitzri, Anoichi Egyptian is I, Hashem should have said, Ani, not Anoichi. Why is the first word of Asiris Adibris in Egyptian? Anoichi Hashem Alekercha. I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said a beautiful var, to teach you that the purpose of Torah is ultimately to transform the Mitzrayim inside of you and the Mitzrayim in the world. It's in the Midbar. It's when I look at myself And I see that there's parts of me that are not cultivated. It's a wilderness. I have trauma. I have toxicity. I have insecurities. I have demons. I have skeletons. I have negative voices. I have issues to work with. Don't be afraid. That's exactly where the Torah is given. That's exactly where you're going to see the impact of Torah. Have the courage to confront it. Because realize that if you could confront your own wilderness, that's where your greatest growth is going to come from. Your deepest growth, your deepest relationship to Torah is, if you're ready to confront that which crushes you, that's what that's what makes you small. That which makes you into the person you don't like. If you could look at that and learn from it, it will allow you to become the greatest person in the world.
1: Wow. I wanna I wanna just ask your 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 thoughts on something, and then I, and then I'm gonna let you go. Um, let you go. I Meaning it's it's just good to have this. Hour and a half. No, I don't know just, what I did to deserve there's somebody this.
0: Somebody waiting for a big so I'm just going to tell them that I'm coming on in one minute. So ask your last question.
1: Okay, my last question is just simple. That yeah, I I, for... <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a there's a, a push or 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 a natural thing that somebody can tap into to sort of feeling if their neshama feels like it's pulsing and alive. Yeah. versus feeling empty and dead. And there's so many things in this world that give us external stimulation. Yeah. When you just ask your nishama, like, how do you feel this morning? You give it like a little checkup. You're able to feel like alive. You learn a Taisvis, you feel alive. And so much of what you talked about tonight, whether it's through learning the nizik in which part's holding your back... If you're able to tap into that, then yomtif becomes alive and, and mitzvahs become alive. And your purpose in this world comes alive. You're able to like, feel your neshamah like beating like a good, strong heart. Yeah. That, that, like I'm feeling that from you. I'm feeling that from you. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank, thank you to thank everybody. Thank you for
0: the honor. Thank you for the privilege, Ovin. <laughs> my love and my blessings to you and your family, and continue with your Avodah Akkadish.
1: Amen. Amen. Have a good evening. Have, have a good evening. And thank you all for tuning in to this 11th show. We hope to see everybody again after Shavuos. Have a good evening. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.